Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code MONACO to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code MONACO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas City, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, cdkng.org co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply all right welcome into another episode of sports gambling with money line and monaco alex monaco fired up to be with you Thursday night football week two. This is how it goes once the football season starts. You just get rolling. Next thing you know, two sleeps on your Casper mattress. It's week two Thursday. We have a very riveting matchup, if I don't say so myself. Line's been moving a little bit here. Vikings on the road against the Eagles as we speak on DraftKings. Seven and a half. It refreshed in the last hour here. Was Vikings plus seven? They moved to plus seven and a half. Juice is minus 120 on the Vikings side. So you're laying a little more down to get back 120 to win 100 to be exact. And minus 105 on the Eagles, minus seven and a half on the money line. Plus 260 and minus 300 for the Eagles and the Vikings, respectively. Over unders moved a smidge around 49, 48 and a half. Let's dive in. As we know, this NFL. Week one was fascinating. Road teams were the story. 12 and four against the spread road teams were. First time since 2006, I mentioned to to you on Monday's pod, that there was 12 road covers in week one. First time since 06. And two of those, since, excuse me, Carolina and the Texans had rookie quarterbacks. So only the Bengals did not cover on the road as favorites. We know underdogs were well above sea level and unders went a interestingly, not so shocking though, 12 and four um, as we turn the page of week two. So last year, just talking out quick little betting trends, Minnesota as a road underdog, one and three, not great. Eagles as a home favorite, eight and three against the spread. The Eagles really made their lunch money. They made their name at home last year. You look at the splits. Eagles at home, Eagles on the road, two completely different covers. Actually, not even an impressive road cover last year. How did this Minnesota team, as we lay the land here, look 
in week one with no Dalvin Cook, most importantly, no Adam Thielen, and really a pressure home week one game against a house money mindset of Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Bucks. We saw that viral clip of, of Baker telling the Vikings defender to get his weight up, little boy. You got to love that. But all in all seriousness, this team just didn't really have a great identity out the gate. In my humble opinion, went back and watched both this game and the Patriots and the Eagles. And I got to say, you run the ball with Madison 11 times, 34 yards in his debut as the dude, as the guy. It's just not enough output. Now we know that Vita Vea and that front seven is pretty solid in Tampa. Unlike Philly's front seven, believe it or not, as lethal as you may believe this pass rush is, they gave up. And let me triple check here, make sure I get this correct. They gave up well over 100 yards last year, 120 and some change to be exact. They were top two passing D though. So Slay and Bradbury did their thing. We'll talk out the Eagles for a second. But where the point of attack and the emphasis has to be at least more balanced for Minnesota in this game, if they're going to win it, has to be establishing Alexander Madison. They got to find a way. Ty Chandler, the backup, three carries, no yards. I mean, you throw the ball 44 times, you go out with that same game script, script against a top two pasty that had a shout-out volume sports, Darius Slay pick six. Vikings are going to be in serious trouble. Now, we also know this. They're 0-1. Teams that since the merger in 1970, starting out 0-2, it's almost climbing up Everest. Only 39 teams have made the playoffs in the National Football League. Since the 70s, since 1970, after going 0-2. So as far as hungry dogs run faster, whatever quote you want to take off the magnet board, this is a must-win game for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, you would say, looking at the painting, that this Vikings team off a loss, you would think they would come in with the exact mindset you would want to back them as a dog. Seven and a half's the line. I'm leaning, feeling very comfortable with the seven. We'll talk this out though. Now, these two teams did dance last year. 24-7 early, I believe it was week two as well, matchup in the year. It was a weird game. To the point where there were no points scored in the second half. Game stayed 24-7 from halftime on. So it was a lot of Eagles running the ball in the second half. Vikings passing the ball a lot. You can make the case, Kirk, 37 and a half is his passing attempts. He hits the over again in this one. Um, but you look at the running game for, and, and I want to speak on the Eagles side of, of things now. You look at this running game, which was a top three running game last year. And Shane Steichen's gone. Let's not let's not not give credit where credit is due. Steichen, who was a Chargers offensive coordinator, who was clearly the brainchild behind this unbelievably balanced offensive attack last year, and mainly just phenomenal with run playing scheme and calling. You saw it a little bit in the scripted plays in the first series with the new play caller Brian Johnson in Philly. But that's where, if I'm backing Minnesota, which I am with the points, you have to look and feel kind of good at what New England did defensively against this new look, not new personnel, but new look Eagles offense, at least as far as play calling goes. Now, you put up 
25 points in the game, which against a New England defense that was plus 17 in point differential last year, you got to feel good about it. Top five defense, you can make the case for this year. But to score six times, and most of them field goals, and I'll bring up the box score here. You know, this was a game that was 16 nada. You could have gotten the Patriots a plus 14 and a half lot. They end up almost backdoor covering that three and a half point spread had Mac Jones not had a holding call on that run in the two point conversion. They cover. So how you sit here and look at the painting after week one going into week two is everything. You could sit here and say a win for the Eagles is a win and a loss for the Vikings is a loss. But in all actuality, this Eagles team put up nine points in the second half. This Eagles team had nine points after the first quarter. So, yes, Minnesota's D does not look great. Minnesota's D looks susceptible to being run on and pass on. But you look at Baker's numbers, and I'm feeling to me this game with Kenneth Gainwell on the injury report list, by the way. Now, not sure about what's going on with Rashad Penny, coach's decision to not have him play, and DeAndre Swift, who's on me and your fantasy team, got one carry for three yards. So we're sitting here, we're talking this game out, and right now you're number one back from last week, at least the number one most trusted back, and that has to be spoke on, right? You have a new offensive play caller, and you have a whole new running back room. And, and Gainwell and Boston Scott are your only two Madden 78 overall constants from last year. Call it what you will. You look at this Minnesota defense. They allow only 242 of total offense. Overall yards, 242. Mayfield's limited to 173 passing yards. And you hold Tampa to 2.2 yards per carry. If you are a Minnesota fan, you are sitting there saying that is more than enough off of an 11, you know, one score outing last year outcomes. That is more than enough for this Minnesota team to hang their hat on for a victory. Sharps love the Bucs with the six. And Minnesota is one of those teams when they're laying points, kind of like the Chargers, when you're laying points as a favorite at home, it's gross. It's disgusting. It's vegetables with no season you take this vikings team as an underdog doubted slept on now we know about kirk non primetime i did look it up overall vikings primetime game seven and nine five and three at home so 12 and 20 in his career in primetime games i've called him kirk non primetime for years i'm not saying he's gonna go out and win this game what i'm saying is three turnover kirk week one is not normal cousins. Now, he turned the ball over last year against this Eagles team. Three interceptions, three times, that's not going to do it. A little bit of miscommunication on the offensive line. It seems like the K.J. Osborne interception, you saw Cousins blowing up on his offensive coaching staff after the interception. So this is a guy that prides himself on being not just professional on the field, off the field, but when it comes to decision-making, this is a guy that I think off a bad game, veteran quarterback, I think he sneaks into your top 10 here's top 10 quarterbacks in the league, believe it or not. This is a guy you probably timing-wise want to back. And in the betting world, sometimes you're betting numbers. Sometimes you're betting teams on certain timing spots. And, and the biggest thing to speak on week two coming off week one, 
talking to you about the betting trends as well off off of week one. Don't overreact. Let's not overreact that Minnesota lost to a Tampa team. There was no tape on Baker Mayfield with this offense. Now, you can make the case that Philly can come out with the exact same style as they did last year and just dominate the first half, which we remember Philly was historically good at first half covers. Now, there's a reason this line hasn't dipped to six and a half. Money is coming in on Minnesota. Tickets at the moment are coming in on Philly. So from a split perspective, money on mini and tickets on Philly. That's a good thing if you want to back the Vikings. Now, you take that pick six away, slay on Mac Jones earlier in that, fir- early in that first quarter. I mean, New England out totals Philly on offense, 316 to 251. There is such a thing as a Super Bowl hangover. Uh, let's not not mention the Bengals, who, yes, ended the season with eight straight wins, started out four and four, started out with a Super Bowl hangover. So Vikings, who were plus two in the turnover category last year and did, even though Kirk threw a ton of turnovers last year, even that out, you come into this game, Philly 28th in total defense, 29th against the pass in week one, Mac Jones was on your top seven overall passing yards of offense. Now that can tend to happen. You don't want to look too much into the stats because again, this was a team playing from behind most of that game, but I mean, Jalen hurts. He's an unbelievable game manager, but let's not sit here and act like Jalen hurts is a top three quarterback already gifted the bronze medal in that category. When Jalen hurts, has to go out and make plays when Jalen Hurts doesn't have running game going for him like he did against New England. You throw for 170 on 33 passing attempts. Now, this guy, going back to last year, has thrown for 220 or fewer in four of his last five starts. That includes the postseason. So Minnesota giving up 169 in passing, only allowing 4.8 net adjusted yards per attempt against the Bucs. Do we not sit here and have a little bit of a case, at least on the covering side of things, that this Minnesota team can cover this game? It's going to come down to turnovers. It's going to come down to establishing the run. If Minnesota comes out and Kirk Cousins throws the ball 50 times, they're done. They have to insert Alexander Madison into this offense. And we watched last week, again, sit here and make the case that even this Eagles run D was properly tested because of the 16-0 early start. So all that to say, Philly should probably win this game and they will win this game. But I do like Minnesota with the seven and a half. Let's talk out some props here. I think TJ Hawkinson, who sneakily, and he didn't get a chance, obviously he was traded midseason last year to dance against the Eagles. Uh, 14 receptions for 127 yards, though, in his last two games against Philly. That's something. Eight looks on nine targets last week is certainly something. Now, 35 yards on eight catches is a little bit humble. That's, to me, the Minnesota offensive line not being able to hold their weight. Decent Tampa pass rush. Can't get the ball out quick. He's got to check down, check down. Now, that could very well be the same case as well this Thursday night. Let's look back to last year, though. Similar sentiment. 
Cousins loved Irv Smith in that game. Five for 36 and a tutty. He was the second most targeted, second most receptions leader on the list for what it's worth in Minnesota against the Eagles last last year. Um, Another guy I want to look at, severely underlooked last week, is Dallas Goddard. Dude didn't get a catch, got one target. Don't know what's going on there. A couple of shocking Philly numbers when you look at the box score. You rewatch the game. Uh, it's almost flabbergasting. DeAndre Swift had one carry. Rashad Penny was a coaching decision, didn't play. So outside of the constant, which will be the constant again this Thursday, A.J. Brown and, and Devontae Smith, the only other person worth looking at is Goddard. I do like him, though, over 44 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to put him in my DraftKings same game parlay here as we round out the show. You know, 55 receptions over 700 yards last year. Five for 82 and 16.4 a catch last year against the Minnesota Vikings. I think it's a bounce back spot. So I think there's good value on both tight ends for this game. You know, AJ Brown off a of seven for 79, uh, Devontae Smith off a of seven for 47. So underlooked, and that's what the Patriots defense does so well is they will shut down certain elements of your game. They clearly made an emphasis on making Jalen Hurts beat them. He did a pretty good job stopping the run and making Hurts beat them, and he almost didn't. This was almost a serious Galifianakis botching of a hangover off a Super Bowl L. Now, I'm looking at another prop, and I think Madison here, over 50 and a half rushing yards for a team that gave up 121 last year, it has to be considered. Now, not a normal running kind of flow and fluidity to the week one game because you go down 16 nothing. It's kind of similar to the Niners and the Steelers, right? You didn't really get a fair shot at what Najee Harris will look like with that offensive line. Once you go down in the blink of an eye, game script kind of goes out the window. Um, but speaking of the game script, you know, we have to feel good that this Eagles team didn't do much now going against a lesser defense for sure, but didn't do much after the scripted plays were out the window. Everyone can get through a scene or two when you have sides, when you have scripts to read. When you got to improvise, when you got to stand on that stage by yourself, different animal. But I'm looking at Hawkinson over 48 and a half, Goddard over 44 and a half, and Madison over 50 and a half to put in my same game parlay and you couple that in with Minnesota plus seven and a half and we're a plus 750. And I think it's a very appetizing same game parlay. Matter of fact, I got a little bit of discounted numbers on the same game parlay. I got Goddard over 39 and a half, Alexander Madison over 54 and a half and TJ Hawk over 44 and a half. Now, limited props at the moment. This is a cause for concern as well. I'm seeing Boston Scott on the anytime touchdown score list. I think he's a sneaky primetime player prop if Gainwell is out. And if Gainwell is out, ladies and gentlemen, we have a complete blank canvas as to what Philly is going to throw at many. So for me, I'm out of here on the thought that Cousins is off a three turnover game. He will correct that. We're off an Eagles team that didn't have much of an offensive identity after the first quarter, nine points in the remaining three. And we're getting a great number. I mean, seven and a half's a real number. You take 
Kirk non prime time and that that persona out the window. You take out last year Philly and their ability to cover and blow teams out in the first half out the window, and both are worth mentioning here when assessing the spread. And then you look at the splits. I don't feel great about it. I don't feel great about it, but I got to lean seven and a half. And that's the show. Minnesota covers the spread plus seven and a half. Do they shock the world? We shall see. But a same game parlay with Goddard hitting 40, TJ Hawk hitting 45, both on receiving yards, and Madison hitting 55 with a Vikings cover of seven and a half, pays seven and a half to one. I like the synchronicity too. 7.5, It's a DK same game parlay. We're out of here. Skull! Don't forget to hug your mothers. All right, Paul. I'm going to bring you in, my man. I, a lot of ways to look at the Vikings after week one. Now, are you optimistic? I know you you don't call yourself an optimistic with the Vikings as a whole, but how do we feel about them with the seven and a half, do I dare say, plus almost three to one on the money line? You know, Monaco, I, I really am inspired by your belief in this team. And I hope to God that you are right, because it would be unbelievable to go into Philadelphia and win this game. But I've joked, I might take the Eagles up to, up to 27 and a half is what I've joked. I think that it's oh, there's God. a lot of trouble for this Vikings team. But here's why I disagree with you. And then I'd like to hear your response to it. Please. The Vikings offense has really two main weaknesses. It's Cousins immobility. And it's right. a really a porous offensive line, interior offensive line. And when you add those two things together against top end defenses like Dallas last year and Philly last year, you saw major blowouts against the Vikings. Absolutely. Uh, in week one, the Vikings, for some reason, this offseason didn't address it. We decided to roll out the same group as last year and the tackles are great. But that interior here, here were the I know you're a big PFF guy. Here were the run blocking grades for the Vikings interior offensive line in week one. You ready oh, for God. this? Oh, God. Our center. So we had Garrett Bradbury with the 60. Then he went out and Schlotman came in. Austin Schlotman with a 56.9 run blocking grade. <laughs> Our left guard, Ezra Cleveland, 49.5 run blocking grade. And our right guard, probably the worst player on the <laughs> roster, Ed Ingram with a 57.4. So that interior O-line, could not block for anything when rushing and passing. It didn't even get better. Ingram's Ingram's pass blocking grade was a 40.3. I mean, how is this guy? I, I don't like to chirp on, on one person because at the end of the day, like they're people too. Um, these players, even though it can get a little crazy, but it's just the interior is so weak. And this Eagles D line is so good that I can see the Vikings scoring between three and 10 points and just losing 24, 10 again very easily so if there's keys to the game from minnesota's side of the ball it would have to be game script slow it down to some degree and just maintain time of possession because to me if you can just i'm looking at their defense and and you know i didn't say this on the episode but brian flores is is a huge improvement uh, as far as coaching goes i mean I know it looks like Minnesota's D look flat. I mean, do we do we not remember some of those defensive performances? I, oh. I I'm not that I'm not coming down that hard on Minnesota's D. I know you mentioned that what that second half long drive to start for Baker and, and the boys, but I mean, 
Jalen Hurts, he has to beat you with, let's say, no running game in this game. It's a huge number. Seven and a half is a huge number, Paul. And it's a week-to-week league. Did you see the Buccaneers players? I think Rashad White, their running back, uh, said in in an interview this week that Baker came into the locker room at halftime and said, I got it. I got it. I know their signs on defense. And said, oh, wow. I know when he said, I know when they're cover two, I know when they're cover three. I I I picked it up. And I just saw that this morning. And that would kind could could explain why you saw a much more successful Buccaneers defense or offense in the second half of that game, which I you know, I don't know who knows the truth to these stories, but if that is the case, then Brian Flores does have some work to do this week because <laughs> Jalen Hurts is better than Baker Mayfield and this Philadelphia offense, this unit coaching He's got staff some work to do. Smart. Uh, now, where are you in the room with just Sirianni and losing both coordinators? Uh, to me, there was a huge drop-off with Steichen not making play calls against that Patriots team. It's almost like they had such a lead. They were so far ahead. I've seen this before. I can't think of a reference, but you're so far ahead. You don't even, no one was preparing for 16 nothing. Nine points in three quarters, Paul. Did they not know what to do when they had that big of a lead? Because they almost blew that game. Yeah, it's still week one. And Bill Belichick is a great coach, as we know. It's a tough place to play in, in Foxborough. So I'm not, I'm giving them a pass. I think people are overreacting if they're down on the Eagles' performance, even though they they've still won the game, which was you know it's tough to win there. So I'm fine with that. I know they struggled early in Sirianni's career when he was making play calls before making the switch, and that's when they really took off. Uh, too early to tell for me. I did want to ask you one thing about your parlay, Monaco. When you look at the two tight ends and then Madison. If you were to identify a weak point, is there somewhere in there? Which one are you watching most closely to say, okay, I need, like, if this one hits, I'm comfortable in the other two. I mean, I guess just because there's two Vikings on one side of the the ball here um, in the parlay, I would, I would be looking at Madison to kick off Hawkinson's production. Mm-hmm. I, if Madison and, you know, this Philly, that's what's fascinating. Is how is this pass rush so dominant but so leaky when it comes to allowing rushers? I mean, this, go look at the splits from last year. They were not a good run-stopping defense. This is not the Niners where your tops across the board, a little more susceptible than Niners in pass D, but for the Eagles to be top two in pass D and top two in overall yards and have a drop-off there, I, you have to put some emphasis on Madison now, when you were watching the the game against the Bucks, was it giving up too early in your opinion with Madison again under fifteen carries? I don't love, or was do they just have a mediocre at best offensive line? We're about to see it on national television this Thursday night. Oh, you're gonna no no you'll see the mediocre offensive line <laughs> on national television. Madison Madison actually was worked into the offense quite a bit. And he had a lot of really impressive two or three yard runs because he's getting blown up in the backfield every time he touches the ball. So I wouldn't worry about the touches. The Vikings had a, you know, they didn't a lot of three and outs during the game. That's the problem with this offense is they're susceptible to three and outs. So if the, if the offensive line performs well, Monaco, I really think you have a nice parlay here. It's just a matter of whether or not 
they can stop the monsters on the Philly D-line and get some movement. Because if Madison hits, I like the rest of your parlay. It's That's I the one God, that I circle. Yes, I think Goddard is a sneaky play. Um, you know, A.J. Brown, they seem Goddard to be a little top-heavy. Right? Week one? They seem I don't to be think a little, did anything. No, yeah, no receptions. Um, yeah, you go back to last year's game. He he had good he had good output, five for eighty two. I mean, he's a fifty catch, fifty five reception tight end from last year off a no reception game. It's it's a good buy low spot. That's kind of what you want to do in props. I do it in baseball all the time, right? You know, I, I say it often. Uh, a two seventy five, two eighty hitter has gone hitless in his last two games. You 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 fire on one and a half total bases or a multi hit game game three. Sort of similar sentiment here, not a spread out, but a quality tight end. I mean, we we both love fantasy. I mean, Goddard goes fifth out of out of ranked tight ends for a lot of fantasy leagues. So I, I think looking at how they're going to probably try to do all they can to humble A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and those aren't bad plays either. Those are just easy plays. I was kind of trying to go for something crafty. But yeah, I mean, wrapping it up here, I feel like Goddard is a sneaky play. And did you... Did you like, I didn't get a chance to pull up the stat, but Boston Scott on primetime games, dude, this guy's going to score. It's going to pay three to one plus two ninety on DraftKings, almost three to one. A- I'm, pretty sure he owns, on- I'm pretty sure he owns the Giants from what I remember is Boston Scott. He does own Scott the Giants. Performs. He does own the Giants. Um, I feel he sick. Has some pri- he has some primetime stats that are pretty, pretty crazy. He always pops out of nowhere um, when you least expect it. I, I, I mean, on our way out here, any optimism that the Vikings D can handle Philly's offense with really just a mis- a mystery. This is like an airhead mystery flavor of who the hell is getting carries on Thursday night. Who's getting carries if Gainwell's ruled out? It has to be Swift, right? I, I have DeAndre Swift in fantasy, and this is where I'm in a predicament. I had I J.K. Dobbins. I have J.K. Dobbins, so my, my running back room was already bad. It was Jameer Gibbs. J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift. I was hoping Swift would be used last week. Dobbins goes down. I pick up Chuba Hubbard and I believe Kendra Miller from the Saints I get on the waiver yeah. wire. So my running back room is Gibbs, Swift, Miller, and Hubbard, which is just disgusting in week Here, two. Here's how little we should be optimistic about Swift. He is not on the DraftKing prop board, my friend. He is... Nowhere to be found. I was already thinking about really? him for the same game parlay. I don't see him. I don't see Rashad. Maybe Penny. they were waiting. Were they waiting they're potentially waiting. for Gainwell? They're, they're waiting for Gainwell. Um, see some anytime touchdown props, but as far as pinpointing over unders, we only got Jalen Hurts. So that's interesting. The but no, one pre- last guy to to wrap it up, if you don't mind me asking you. Yeah, yeah. Kirk Cousins for pass yards is over under two sixty two point five. That's sitting at minus 110. Last year, he really struggled. You said the three interceptions. He could have thrown four or five to Darius Slay himself. Yeah. 221 yards in that game for Kirk. It was it was a tough watch as a Vikings fan. Does 262 and a half feel a little higher? I'm assuming you're liking that number a little bit if you have the Vikings. Yeah, it's a little it's a little high though. I mean, he goes 27 for 46 last year. Paul only hits 221. Um, you know, for him to hit that I think Justin Jefferson comes a little bit back to earth, down to earth off of his receiving yards I mean it's just an insane first half start I, I I would actually lean under I do think over 37 and a half passing attempts though 
to your point of alternate line minus 27 <laughs> could get off the rails real quick in which Cousins is just gunslinging it. But, you know, I I I like this spot for Minnesota here to cover. I really do. And, and there's got to be. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. There's got to be worth mentioning 0-2. You're almost playing for your season on some level here. On some level. Yeah, yeah I, I know they are, but Philly's just really good, Monaco. <laughs> And we're not. I know. So for Paul and myself, a double a double down on Don't Forget to Hug Your Mothers. We'll see you tomorrow for week two best bets. The volume.